This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles and their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin, and I'm joined by Colin Venters, who is outside Huddersfield. Indeed, in, yes. In the north West of England. Yorkshire. In West Yorkshire. Yeah. How far outside Huddersfield? About 20 miles uh, up in the Pennines. That sounds nice. Yeah, in the upper Calderdale Valley. What's it like there? Well, this morning, it's actually very sunny for a change. Actually, we've had fantastic weather over the last, you know, three or four weeks. Uh, there is a blue skies outside, but it's very cold. So in New Zealand, we're referring to the, the group you're self-isolating with as your bubble, which is why the show's called Blowing Bubbles. So who's in your bubble? Well, the family uh, are in the bubble, uh, which is nice. Uh, it means we're all together. Who have you got there? Well, I've got uh, Loretta and Henry. Uh, so we're all here at home. How old is Henry? Uh, Henry's 12, so he's in secondary school at the moment. And is he, are they still in school? What, what's going on there? No, the schools were closed about three weeks ago. Uh, but they still maintain reasonably good contact with the students. So... They're using different learning platforms like uh, Google Classroom uh, and then sort of different uh, websites, you know, for various subjects. Uh, and, you know, they keep sending through quite a large number of homework assignments to keep them busy. And is that getting done? Yeah, he's very good, actually, Henry. He's very uh, conscientious about doing his uh, schoolwork. And is it like, is it just straight schoolwork or have they got them doing more project-based things? Uh, some of it is project-based uh, but some of it is sort of straight schoolwork so uh, some of it might be uh, sort of online tests some of it is just sort of new learning that they're, they're doing uh, but you know I think the schools have responded quite well to the sort of current situation and trying to sort of provide a, a sort of different learning environment for for kids, although I do kind of worry uh, about sort of other children uh, that perhaps they're not being as well catered for, you know, perhaps, you know, kids that are, you know, don't have the support of their family uh, and, you know, what type of learning that they, they might not be getting and then how we might sort of fill that gap. Are they bringing them together in a group, is it online classroom? Not really. Uh, I mean, Google Classroom is just a platform, isn't it, where you sort of exchange messages between uh, the different sort of uh, year, years and the different forms uh, with, within the different subjects. Uh, they've not really moved to sort of the sort of Zoom-type world that we have all seemed to have entered. And how's your working from home going? I think that's the most surreal part of it all is that it's very much like the British academic summertime right. uh, where you're not teaching uh, and therefore there's no real requirement to go into the office. Uh, and certainly outside of the sort of teaching year, I tend to limit the amount of travel that I do, particularly to you know, the institution. Uh, and I work sort of exclusively from home. So it seems very normal at the moment. And you're all well set up to work at home if, you, if you're already yeah. doing some work from home. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's one of, I think 
academia is probably one of those environments that are best set up for this type of situation uh you know particularly in the field that we work in in sort of computer science uh you know we can can work anywhere uh and even i think the sort of the the timing of it was almost perfect to some extent because it was uh, a, a couple of weeks before the end uh where we break up for easter uh, and I, I really don't like this term uh, where it's really sort of disrupted by Easter because we have 10 teaching weeks and then we have this three-week break uh, and then we come back for two weeks. But uh, so all the assessment had been done uh, and I think sort of students were sort of winding down for the Easter break. So it didn't have quite as much uh, an impact, I don't think, that potentially it could have had. Uh, I know lots of different countries have different types of, of semesters. So, uh, you know, some Asian countries, they're just about to start their semesters. So do you have exams coming up? All my exams happened at Christmas. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> Which was fabulous timing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's not really affected me uh, that much, but some of my colleagues have had to sort of rethink some of their assessment strategies uh, and sort of move that to sort of an online platform to sort of conduct those. So I asked you for a couple of music suggestions and you've given me a whole list and I've taken the top two on the basis that they will be the ones you picked first. <laughs> so Radiohead, Lucky. Yeah. Got a story? Well, I, I think just, at, you know, the, at the current time, uh, I mean, that when you, you asked me to sort of select some tracks, I thought, this is my desert island disc moment. <laughs> 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 Although sort of tinged with a sort of slight COVID-19 perspective on it. Uh, you know, I would always select Radiohead and I thought, well, Radiohead's perhaps not seen as the most upbeat band, but uh, I thought, you know, one of their tracks is Lucky and I think we are quite lucky uh, where we are at the moment. I mean, not everybody. Uh, obviously, there has been, you know, some uh, devastating tragedies within families and, and within sort of communities. Uh, and I know some people are fairly uh, badly affected by all of this. But I feel very lucky to have not been as affected by it uh, as some other other people. So that's the backstory to that that particular one. It's, you know, it's an upbeat. We have to think about what we have, and as opposed to what we don't have.
your friends Radiohead talked about standing on the edge. Do you think we're standing on the edge? I think we are. I mean, if anything, I think it's really exposed society for its fragility. Uh, and it's really amazing how fragile everything really is. I think we, we almost think that we're invincible and nothing will really change. But, you know, a small virus has demonstrated that things are really not as they appear to be. You know, we've seen huge number of people be furloughed. Uh, we haven't seen quite the collapse of society, but, you know, it, it, it certainly, people have responded to it in very sort of different ways. You know, there has been some very positive responses to it, uh, and there is also sort of that underbelly of human society exploiting uh, the situation. Uh, toilet roll gate, I think, perhaps, <laughs> you know, being a, a great example of that. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Well, hello there. This is Liesel coming at you from Bubble Land, from my bubble to yours. Hope that you're doing well. And uh, I'm hoping that all of you are keeping yourselves mentally okay and I know there's a bit of this going on in terms of people checking in and you know even on social media there's there's lots of sort of tools being offered and people are saying things like hey look after your mental health and I read something today about the fact that yeah week three is when things start to sort of hit people and then after that you start to sort of feel a little bit more like you've got yourself into a routine so we're probably going through a few of these things as we move through the time frame and um, it'll be interesting to see how we cope if we need to stay in lockdown for a bit longer, um, how this all pans out because uh, yeah we've all got to sort of be thoughtful about where we're at in this and uh, yeah things may go on and they will be probably going on for longer than we expect. So I'm just wanting to check in about what are you doing to make yourself feel good? Uh, because there's lots of things that we're having to sort of give up at the moment. And I know for me, it's my, it's my coffees, going to a cafe, getting a wonderful coffee made for me by an expert barista that knows how to blend that silky smooth milk with the delicious uh, liquid gold that is a, a shot of coffee. Yeah, yeah, I'm missing that. So. <laughs> And I'm definitely not replicating it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I think my coffees are getting slightly better. But um, yeah, I've got to say that I think if I was in a cafe and I was presented with some of the coffees I've been making, I don't usually ask people to make them again. But I probably would have to ask for another coffee. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe, you know, maybe this is an exercise that I'm quite enjoying as well, the art of perfecting a coffee. I don't know if I'll be able to do it or not, but I've set myself a bit of a goal. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so one of the things I am missing is my, my cafe time, my coffees. And, um, and it's not just the coffee, it's actually the whole cafe sort of experience being around people. Um, I often work in cafes. Uh, being able to sort of sit there and do something that is productive but also having sort of that nice sense of relaxation and being around other people and being out of your maybe, maybe normal um, work bubble as well. Huh? See what I did there? Bubbles. It's a new terminology obviously. Um, <laughs> so cafes, yeah, but another thing I'm really missing is my uh, family. So I'm not seeing them. This is my... Uh, my mum and dad and my sister, my nephew, my nephews and my niece. Um, but we're catching up virtually a lot, which is great. But in the last week, I've actually seen both my sister and my nephew almost in person. And um, both those experiences were kind of, they were beautiful because I suddenly realised, you know, there's, a, there's one of my human beings, there's someone that I, that I really miss. 
um, and for some reason sort of seeing them at a distance in person uh, made me realise just how much we miss that, that physical up close contact with other people and while I'm keeping myself very much occupied and um, lots of virtual conversations, lots of virtual catch-ups and wow, I feel so lucky that we've got that because I think without that, um, a lot of us, especially the slightly extroverted ones in our mix here, might really be struggling. But um, yeah, there's something about just the in-person vibe of another human being. So I hope that you're finding ways to keep yourself mentally uh, stimulated, happy, emotionally okay. Um, It's a one day at a time sort of number. I think I said that before, but it is, it really is. Just taking it one day at a time. And, um, And we've got this, you know. I think we have got this if we keep on... Uh, doing what we can to look after each other and you know that just might mean staying home for a wee bit, wee bit longer anyway I'll be back um, hope the rest of your day is amazing and uh, we'll catch up soon you're living in the country does that mean you're allowed out to exercise yeah I mean that's the whole surreal aspect about this current situation is that for me very little has actually changed you know i live out in the countryside uh, there has been a small increase of uh sort of non-resident sort of appearing uh but for the most part we can go out you know up in the pennines and hardly see anybody uh, so it's not really uh, affected anything like that so you know i can go on a 5k run and the only thing I see are sheep, uh, for the best part. Are you allowed to drive, or don't you have to to do that? No, I don't have to. Uh, in fact, the car has barely moved uh, for the last couple of weeks, other than you know to go for that essential food shopping, uh, which is great because I mean there's been a massive reduction uh, in in traffic, and you know. The benefits of that, we're less affected by it because we're out in the countryside. You know, the air quality here is always very good. But, uh, you know, we've, we've seen an improvement in air quality across the country. And I think, you know, there, there's been some research into that that's demonstrated a significant drop in air pollution levels. So Andy Williamson described that the other day as getting three weeks to the gallon. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yes. <laughs> of course, the irony of that is, uh, you know, fuel prices have plummeted <laughs> because of a lack of demand for it. <laughs> but, but no one's there to sort of uh, take advantage of the, the prices. I couldn't even tell you what the price of petrol was these days. So how's your community getting on? Are you seeing any community initiatives? That we are, actually. Uh, the nearest town... Uh, is, its motto is kindness. And so you will drive around and you will see big signs that say kindness. And, and they've been around for, uh, you know, let's say a good couple of years. Uh, but we, we've certainly seen some, you know, initiatives uh, going on. I, I was contacted sort of, sort of through social media on one of the, uh, the Facebook pages uh, where you may have been aware that lots of the political parties made commitments to suddenly replant the United Kingdom with trees, uh, with, you know, an extraordinary number of them. Uh, there was a company had put out uh, a call on social media saying that they were going to have to get rid of these trees because uh, they were needing to be planted. Uh, and then someone uh, within the community, uh, Shannon Jackson, says, why don't we get together uh, crowdsource the, 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 the money for this uh, and then think about how we could actually plant the trees in the local area. Uh, we have uh, an organisation here called Tree Responsibility, which has been around for a couple of years and it was originally set up uh, after the Upper Calderdale Valley suffered quite some severe floods about five years ago. Uh, and so what they were trying to do was sort of plant trees 
in order to sort of mitigate some sort of flood uh, defense. Uh, because what we found is that, you know, in particular areas, they have cleared a lot of the trees for grouse shooting, uh, which means that the runoff uh, can be quite severe into the valley. Uh, and places like Hebden Bridge and Mythenroyd uh, were really badly affected and continue to be badly affected. And even at the beginning of this year, they were flooded uh, quite quite severely. Uh, so, you know, people like that have sort of really taken an initiative. It was only a small amount of money. It was about £250. Uh, and, you know, people made a contribution to this. We've managed to secure a 1,000 uh, trees. Uh, tree responsibility have got involved in it, and we will look at planting those at the, you know, some point in the future. I've just invented a new segment for the show. Virtual travel tour. What should people look up? to virtually travel to your place? Oh, crikey. I mean, this particular part of West Yorkshire is, is, is already quite well established on the map. We've got places like Heptonstall, uh, where we have uh, sort of some famous uh, people buried up in the churchyard up there. Uh, you know, other poets uh, from Mythenroyds, uh, we've got Bronte country, which is not very far away. Uh, so it's, it's an area that is fairly well known. And Hebden Bridge is known, you know, uh, as being the largest uh, community for lesbians in the UK, I think. Uh, you know, so, and there's lots of creative activities go on uh, in sort of the small market towns. I was trying to think of her name when I was talking about it. Sylvia Plath is buried up in Heptonstall. Uh, and then Ted Hughes was from Mythenroyd. And if you go through Mythenroyd Station, there is segments of Iron Man, one of his uh, famous works. Well, one of the things about uh, the, the gravestone is it keeps, I, th I think it, it makes some reference to Ted Hughes. Uh, and it keeps getting vandalized, that particular part of it. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou ko tahuaho. Hope you're all having the most wonderful day and your beautiful beloved bubbles. And I'm just wanting to check in with you all and really congratulate you and thank you for being born. Being so amazing, making all the right decisions. So we're right here together, right here, right now. And thank you for contributing all of the myriad of unique skills, thoughts, feelings, emotions, transformations, creativity, everything that you're contributing by who you are. You are adding to the evolution of the infinite web of life and consciousness that we're all part of on this planet and in this infinite universe. So thank you very much for your great work every day in every way. So something that I thought I would share is the importance and the joy and the possibilities of pleasure and play in the present moment as we care for ourselves and the other inhabitants of our beautiful beloved bubbles. And we have the opportunity now to reframe and recalibrate as a species of very adaptable animal and really set our time and our schedules with a little bit more freedom to really support ourselves in this time of relative novel circumstances. And something that I've been really enjoying is really having the opportunity to take my time to care for the beautiful mansion in ways that I haven't had the opportunity to in the past. And with each part of the mansion that I care for and transform and spruce up and clean and redecorate, the sense of achievement and the sense of empowerment that I gain from this is just huge. And this is not an aspect of my life that I have focused on before. This is completely new for me. And it's not something that I've been encouraged in or... Uh, I have had role modelled to me either because it's never been something that I have 
valued particularly or seen as particularly significant to my self-care and my state of mind but now that I do wow it's absolutely huge and I wonder if it's like that for you too so I've found a huge benefit to transforming the womanchin in the time that we have been more closely interacting with her and her surrounds and now that I am settled into a really supportive daily routine for myself, it's just wonderful to really enjoy that experience of looking even more closely at the kitchen, looking even more closely at the beautiful backyard, looking even more closely at the beautiful Uha Studios creative lounge or living room, as the case may be, and recognising each part and the role that it plays and just recalibrating and transforming as I see fit. So I would really encourage you all if you have the opportunity to do this to set aside a bit of time and really enjoy the process of going within and tuning in to the present moment using that beautiful living toolkit using your five senses taking the time um, to create a space for you within your house, within your beloved bubble that's just for you, and create a time maybe when you're doing the dishes or your anything, can be anything, where you really are completely present, looking at all of the beautiful colours, looking at all of the beautiful shapes and everything that surrounds you, looking at the close details of how things are made, how they're constructed, the smells, the textures, the tastes, really tuning in with your senses and just letting that be a bit of a release and a bit of a pleasure and a bit of a time of play for you, whatever it is that you're doing. So I'm very lucky in my Mansion that I have accumulated many beautiful treasures each of these beautiful treasures has a story to tell. Each of these beautiful treasures takes me on a journey to a different part of my life and evokes a whole series of creative adventures now that I have the time to let those treasures talk to me in that way. So I hope that you can also enjoy this with your beautiful possessions and your beloved bubble. Let them take you on a journey if you can give yourself the time. And with these tasks that in the past may have seemed quite mundane and we're needing to get them out of the way, I hope that by giving yourself a little bit more time to achieve them, you can really enjoy that sense of achievement and reconnection in the present moment with yourself and all of those around you in your beloved bubble. So thank you all. I'll look forward to talking to you next time. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Kakite. I just thought of another segment. You talked about, and it's blatantly stealing from Desert Island Discs. You talked about the um, Desert Island. What's your luxury item? Oh, it would have to be a musical instrument. Uh, uh, guitars. Definitely. I take it you have guitars there. Yes. <laughs> I currently have uh, five, I think. Is that like cycling? Is, is how, many, how many bikes do you need? It's N plus one. <laughs> that's, that's the correct answer, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, I've, I've got like a, a, a standard uh, six string, then I've got a 12 string, then I've got a bass, and then I've got, uh, you know, an electric guitar, and then an electric acoustic. So, yeah. And do they all get exercised? They absolutely all get exercised every day. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, one of the sort of benefits of, you know, the current situation is that life has slowed down somewhat. Uh, and I find more time in the day to do things. So definitely uh, playing guitar is uh, one of those activities that occurs. Let's go to your other selection morrissey every day is like sunday <laughs> yes i i suppose that's the sort of the dark british humor 
uh, coming out, I think. Uh, who knew that in uh, the 80s, Morrissey could have predicted that every day would be like Sunday. Uh, and I suppose we've, the pandemic has changed the sort of the daily life. Uh, you know, for those of us who are sort of adhering to, to government advice to stay home, uh, every day sort of lacks uh, a certain type of structure that, you know, where Sundays are, are much more of a, a relaxed time. Uh, you know, I think every day is almost like that. So we have to think about sort of introducing some type of structure to the, to the day. Uh, but yeah, it, for the first week or so, it was like every day is like the weekend uh, and every day sort of bled into each other day. And I couldn't remember what day it was. Uh, and yeah, but I think we, we've sort of, we've adapted to that a little bit. There's much more structure uh, in the day. Uh, it's less like a holiday. After the Easter break, I'm finding myself absolutely flooded with emails. They're just that today and yesterday, they just came pouring in. And I think it's, I think it's people looking to be productive. Yeah, I mean, I, over the course, I, I've still maintained a lot of structure. So, you know, I still have regular meetings with my PhD students. I still have regular meetings with my final year students with the dissertations. Uh, I still have regular uh, long-standing meetings with some of my research group uh, and, and colleagues throughout the world. Uh, we've switched our... Uh, sort of information systems team meeting. So we, we, we have a rocking the lockdown coffee morning on a Thursday at 11 with uh, my colleagues. Uh, so we, we've introduced some structure to sort of, you know, help us distinguish between the different days <laughs> uh, and sort of maintain some sense of normality.
So you mentioned your research, some of which at least is software engineering in the sustainability space. Mm -hmm. What do you think we've learned from what's been going on recently for that ongoing sustainability work? I think we've probably learned uh, that we need a catalyst in order to change people's mindsets. The question is whether that is, is sustainable in, in the longer term. I think we can, we can certainly change people's, people's behavior can change, but I think uh, for people to take sustainability seriously, we need to reduce that uh, perceptual distance I, I listened to one of the other uh, shows uh, and I can't remember whether it was the sustainability lens or one of the blowing bubbles. And it was, uh, you know, one of the, the people you were speaking to framed the problem, framed sustainability not as a problem. And I think that's, that's exactly right. Sustainability isn't the problem. It's, it's human behavior that diminishes sustainability and i think it's it's getting people to recognize that what do you think from what we've done is going to stick and and perhaps what do you hope will stick well that's a good question uh i mean i suppose there are issues about what we value in society uh and we've seen that there are key workers that are certainly undervalued in society. Uh, and I, I would really like to see some type of proper recognition for those people who have put themselves at the forefront of this uh, and the people that we really depend upon to hold society together. Uh, and I really like to see the politicians you know, do something for those sort of key workers, not just platitudes, which I think they, they tend to do. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we fundamentally depend on are run on goodwill. But, you know, perhaps we need to provide, you know, proper pay and salary for these people. So I'd really like to see that stick. Uh, I'd like to see the end of vacuous celebrities uh, who've not really been at the forefront. Uh, you know, that sort of change, sort of, you know, people earning ridiculous sums of money. Uh, there was this whole controversy around footballers and whether footballers should continue to be paid, uh, you know, what people earn in a year that they earn in a week. Uh, I really like to see some rebalancing of, of this within society. You talked about a catalyst. Do you think Boris's time in intensive care might be a catalyst for a change of approach? Well, <laughs> I suppose the optimist in me, would I'd like to say yes. Uh, however, the realist in me, I, I think probably not. Uh, I, I think when you have career politicians that are really... Uh, in a different bubble from the average person, uh, I think it's very difficult for them to appreciate some of the things that you know the ordinary person in the street experiences. And I think until they really begin to experience those things, then they'll never really appreciate the value uh, of some of the things that we have. Uh, so I, I really don't think it will be uh, a moment of clarity for Boris uh, and, and the government. I think they will want to carry on uh, as they've always carried on. Some questions to end with. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, well, that's an easy one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Sustainability Design Alliance or the Karlskrona Manifesto Collective, whatever we want to call ourselves, has, has absolutely been uh, one of the most interesting things that has ever happened to me from a personal and professional perspective, I think. Uh, this chance meeting of like-minded individuals at 
the Requirements Engineering Conference in Karlskrona in 2014. Uh, all the stars aligned that day. Except that I was in Karlskrona that day at something else. <laughs> the bizarre thing about it is we've never managed to replicate uh, that, that group of people ever again. But that, I mean, it's been a really fantastic opportunity to work with everyone that, that's in, in that group. Uh, and it's also then, you know, the opportunity to meet, you know, people like yourself uh, and see, you know, that there's actually quite a lot of people working in this sphere. Uh, and, and, you know, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. So we're writing a book of these conversations here and on Sustainable Lens. We're calling it Tomorrow's Heroes. So what's your superpower? <laughs> I don't have a long think about this one. <laughs> and I thought, is it some type of X-Men uh, superpower? But actually, when I think about it, we all have this superpower, particularly if you work in the field of education, and that is educational transformation. And that is our superpower. Uh, that's how we can really change our students' perceptions of, of the world. We are just not facilitators to information and knowledge, but we can really make a significant uh, difference to our students. Uh, you know, and I think some of the work that you've been doing on you know, developing the sustainable practitioner is, is, is you know, a landmark moment. And it, we really like to, well, I really like to sort of replicate that within the educational program that we have. Uh, so that's the superpower, the ability to transform individuals. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say nowadays, activist with a small a. Uh, I did think about some of the things that I've done over the years and uh, I did find myself uh, in Pamplona in Spain uh, as an, not so much an animal rights activist, but protesting against the running of the bulls. Uh, and we, we traveled down from various parts of uh, the UK down to Pamplona. Uh, and it was organized by uh, Peter. And they have an alternative to the running of the bulls called the running of the nudes. <laughs> we weren't naked, but we were certainly down to our underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, well, apart from the dog, uh, I, I, I work in, I have the, uh, I suppose, the, the fortune to, to work in one of the most interesting fields uh, that is computer science, software engineering. Uh, and I'll, I'm able to align that with my sort of interest in how we move to a more sustainable society. Uh, and that makes getting out of bed very easy. We do some really interesting work right across the spectrum in, in sort of various different dimensions of sustainability. Uh, and I get to work with some of the most fantastic people I have ever met. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to? I think the, the biggest challenge is really how we create that paradigm shift. Uh, without the catalyst, without the virus, what is the sustainability uh, catalyst that, that makes people realize that this is something really important that we need to address? Uh, We've teamed up with a, a group of sort of consultants. Uh, that I think some of them are, um, are IT consultants, some of them are management consultants. Uh, they're principally based in Spain, but uh, there's also some people in uh, Colombia. Uh, and what they're trying to do, and what we're trying to do as, as a group, is really sort of try and build on some of the work that you've started about developing sort of the sustainable practitioner and we're trying to 
sort of bring some of those ideas into how organizations really transform themselves. And so we've gone for sustainable agile, agile as a sort of a development uh, methodology and how we can sort of integrate sustainability into that type of practice. Uh, so we're putting together a set of uh, workshops. We're going to run one of these workshops as a trial at ICT4S in Bristol in June, uh, which is going to be quite interesting now that it's all online. Uh, so we're sort of thinking through how how that might actually uh, be executed, uh, and you know the development of some materials, uh, so we can sort of develop this consciousness that that people have. So I think that's one of the sort of the challenges that we're thinking about at the moment is you know what what what's the stimulus? What are the trigger points? That would really get people to take this seriously rather than a nice to have. Especially if we come out of this into a big recession, are people going to think, well, that was a nice goal, but we can't afford it anymore? Well, that's true. Uh, but I, again, I think it's about how you change people's mindsets a little bit and uh, you know, sustainability is often seen as a nice to have thing, but actually it's, it's fundamental. Uh, you know, it was one of the sort of principal arguments that we made in the Cars Corner Manifesto that sustainability is a concern regardless of whether you think it is or not. Uh, and no one would disagree with that. It doesn't necessarily need to come at a cost. It's, it's simply how you transform the things that you do. And I think if we've learned anything from the COVID-19 pandemic is that we can make that transformation when we want to. I don't know if you're getting similar arguments, but they're being made very strongly here that the, the first thing you need to have an economy is a healthy society. So it's interesting that the, you know, that's core to, to, to the notions of sustainability is that you can't just say, okay, we're just, you know, this week, we're just going to have economy. Well, no, yeah. That doesn't work that way. So, so maybe those, those that the integration is a thing that people will start to realize more. Yeah. I, you know, I totally agree with that, that position. We, we tend to think about uh, sort of different dimensions of sustainability, but they're all symbiotic to some extent. Uh, you know, and I, I teach a systems thinking class, uh, you know, and I really sort of hammer home that, Everything is connected to everything. You just cannot look at one thing in isolation. Uh, but I certainly think we can change our practices and our behaviors when we are really forced to. But it, it's really finding what those, those stimulus points are. And I think that really then comes back to what do we value most? And it's how you sort of integrate these different types of ideas in order to understand those things. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yes, uh, I did have a quite a, a think about this, and I think one thing that's come out of this is that some of there's a, a number of amazing memes going around. Uh, so I always think that we need to look at what what we have instead of what what we don't have. Uh, and there was one that went around saying that not everything is cancelled, sunshine isn't cancelled, spring isn't cancelled naps are not cancelled imagination is not cancelled <laughs> so i think you know, we need to look at sort of looking at for the positives uh rather than you know something that has perhaps been taken away from us uh i think i probably want to end on something that i i i made me laugh a lot and it was never underestimate the healing power of listening to your favorite music on full blast while jumping around the house like an idiot <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Sam. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and Colin Venters in West Yorkshire. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.